There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that flips through the pages of history to deliver old news in a new way. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're talking about the origins of Pippi Longstocking, the strongest girl in the world. The day was March 28th, 1944. Finding herself bedridden after slipping on ice, Astrid Lindgren began writing the beloved children's classic Pippi Longstocking. Lindgren went on to write more than 70 books for young readers, but she's best known for her nine-year-old, freckle-faced, red-haired heroine. The first book to feature the character was published in Sweden in 1945 and in the United States five years later. It was so well-received that Lindgren later wrote two more chapter books starring the character, as well as several short stories and picture books. Pippi Longstocking and its sequels have sold millions of copies worldwide and have been translated into nearly a hundred languages, more than any other Swedish author to date. The lasting appeal of the books is largely due to how rebellious and subversive they feel, especially when compared to other children's literature of the era. For example, the first book begins as follows. 
Way out at the end of a tiny little town was an old overgrown garden, and in the garden was an old house, and in the house lived Pippi Longstocking. She was nine years old, and she lived there all alone. She had no mother or father, which was actually quite nice, because it meant that no one could tell her that she had to go to bed just when she was having the most fun, and no one could make her take cod liver oil when she felt like eating candy instead. That sense of freedom, being able to call your own shots, extended to every facet of Pippi's identity, including her full name, which according to her was Pippilata Delicatessa Windowshade Mackerel Mint Ephraim's Daughter Longstocking. Her ramshackle cottage, the Villa Villacula, was bright yellow, with a blue door and shutters, and a fiery red roof that matched her trademark pigtails. She lived there happily with her spotted horse out on the veranda and her pet monkey, Mr. Nilsson, for company. She also had two best friends, Annika and Tommy, who sometimes came over to play with their wild neighbor. Every day, Pippi wore mismatched stockings and oversized black shoes that stuck out twice as long as her feet. She ate whole chocolate cakes in one sitting and slept upside down with her feet resting on her pillow. She was also self-sufficient, thanks to a suitcase full of gold pieces left behind by her sailor father before he was lost at sea. Oh, and she had superhuman strength, too, so if bullies ever gave her trouble, she could simply toss them up into a birch tree where they couldn't bother anyone. In other words, Pippi Longstocking was the embodiment of many children's fondest wishes, and many adults, too. She lived, spoke, dressed, and ate however she pleased, completely free from social rules and conventions. But as unpredictable and independent as she was, Pippi didn't invent herself on her own. She was actually the co-creation of Swedish author Astrid Lindgren and her own seven-year-old daughter, Karin. Astrid had loved to read as a child, particularly books with female leads, such as Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and Anne of Green Gables. As an adult, she worked as a secretary at the Royal Automobile Club in Stockholm, where she eventually married her manager, Stur Lindgren, in 1931. A few years later, the couple had a daughter together, Karin. The young girl had inherited her mother's love of stories and demanded a new one every night at bedtime. One night in 1941, Karin was sick in bed with pneumonia and in desperate need of a fresh adventure to distract herself. By that point, Astrid was out of ideas, so she asked Karin, what should I tell? Without missing a beat, the seven-year-old responded, tell about Pippi Longstrump, or Longstocking. She had invented the name on the spot, but delivered it matter-of-factly, as if the character was already a household name. Her mother later recounted how she had played along that night, saying, quote, I didn't ask her who Pippi Longstocking was. I just began the story, and since it was a strange name, it turned out to be a strange girl as well. For the next several years, Astrid continued making up new stories about Pippi to entertain Karin and her various friends and cousins. But it wasn't until she was laid up in bed herself that the aspiring author finally put Pippi down on paper. On an early spring day in March 1944, Astrid fell on some ice, twisted her ankle, and had to spend the next several weeks recovering in bed. 
To keep herself occupied, she decided to finally write down some of the stories she had been telling Karin. The girl's 10th birthday was fast approaching in May, and her mother thought a handmade collection of her favorite bedtime stories would make the perfect gift. To make the writing process as simple and easy as possible, Astrid drafted her manuscript with nothing but a pen and pad. She also wrote in stenographer's shorthand, a working method she had learned as an administrative assistant. It made the task of writing while lying down much more comfortable. So comfortable, in fact, that the author continued to write her rough drafts in shorthand for the rest of her career, often while in bed. Astrid finished the Pippi chapter book in time for Karin's birthday, and then later that year she worked up the courage to submit it to Sweden's largest book publisher. She was nervous about what they might think of the book's subject matter, a rude, headstrong girl who never went to school and answered to no one. She was also a little worried about how the book might reflect on her as a mother. To that end, she reportedly sent the manuscript along with a letter signed in the hope that you won't notify the Child Welfare Committee. Ultimately, the publisher did not call Child Welfare, but it did reject the manuscript. The concern was that the writing was too advanced and that the character of Pippi Longstocking might be a bad influence on children. Astrid had anticipated that response, but she didn't agree with it. Instead, she believed, as she once put it, quote, give the children love, more love, and still more love, and the common sense will come by itself. So despite the initial rejection, she still hoped that another publisher might see things her way. She reworked the manuscript a little over the next few months, and in 1945, she submitted it again, this time to a writing contest held by a different publisher. When the results were announced, Pippi Longstocking took first place, and Astrid Lindgren claimed the prize of a publishing contract. The book hit shelves in Sweden later that year, and became an instant favorite of kids nationwide. It sold more than 300,000 copies in its first five years on the market, and later became so widely embraced that it's remained in print ever since. In the years that followed, Astrid had a long and varied career, writing dozens more children's books, including detective stories, adventure stories, standalone fantasy novels, and even some realistic fiction. But Pippi Longstocking remained her favorite character, and the kids of the world felt just as strongly about her, although the same couldn't always be said for some of their parents. Despite occasional objections to Pippi's irreverency, her adventures have continued to be published and enjoyed around the world for nearly 80 years. They've also been adapted numerous times for film and television, and there's even a theme park in Sweden devoted to Pippi and her friends, it's called Astrid Lindgren's World, and it looks awesome. As for the author herself, she made a good deal of money from her books and various licensing deals. But tellingly, she continued to live in the modest apartment in Stockholm, where she and her daughter had first conjured Pippi Longstocking. She also used her celebrity to help affect political change in Sweden. She successfully lobbied for legislation on issues such as tax reform, the welfare of farm animals, and children's rights. This work further endeared her to the Swedish public, so much so that the author was later voted Swede of the Century in 1999. As you might expect, Astrid Lindgren received several awards for her writing, 
including the Lewis Carroll Shelf Award for Pippi Longstocking in 1973, the Hans Christian Andersen Medal in 1958, and the International Book Award from UNESCO in 1993. She also received recognition for her humanitarian efforts, including the Right Livelihood Honorary Award in 1994, which many consider comparable to a Nobel Prize. The award was given in honor of both Lindgren's animal rights campaign and for her lifelong dedication to the rights of children. Readers have long noticed a sense of melancholy that underlies much of Lindgren's writing, even in stories as lively and brash as Pippi Longstocking. In her fiction, and in her real life, the author was a champion of children who often felt lonely, outcast, or overlooked. These awards and tributes say a lot about the quality of Astrid Lindgren's work and the content of her character, but I think the honor that speaks the loudest was a note she received later in life from a total stranger. According to Astrid, the anonymous woman came up to her and without saying a word, pressed a crumpled piece of paper into her hand and darted away. The note was a single sentence. It said, Thanks for brightening up a gloomy childhood. It was a personal message, but the sentiment surely holds true for countless other readers, past, present, and future. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work.